Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. The theme of the Exodus is vitally significant for Jews and Christians alike. God's deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt after long periods of slavery has inspired African-American spirituals and Christian songs. And just like Israel of old, those who are saved by the grace of God are delivered from the slavery of sin. Today, we will discuss God's covenant at Mount Sinai and discover again God's love toward us. So let us begin. panel today, we have Gail Fong and Colin Hone. Welcome, Gail and Colin. Good to have you with us today to discuss our topic. But uh, before we begin, I invite you all to bow with me as we pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the principles that we read in there of the wonderful plan of salvation. And as we discuss this topic today, we pray that your spirit will guide our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, on the, the way to Egypt, uh, to Mount, from Egypt to Mount Sinai, um, the Israelites had a, a trying experience. I, I'd like to read about it in Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 25. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Which is quite natural, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you, you know, we can survive without food for a while, but not too long without water. Mm. And so, verse 25, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. Uh, Go. what lesson can we learn from this Israel experience? Yes. Well, the Israelites, they'd only been three days journey from the Red Sea, and they came to a point of desperation where only God could supply their need. And I think we too today, we come to a point of desperation which only God can supply. And God wants us to drink deeply at the at the, at the um, fountain of life. And as we drink spiritually of that living water, we will find him and find salvation, mm. which is only in Jesus. Yes, um, and Colin, Colin uh, during the Exodus, you know, God brought the Israelites to, through the wilderness, uh, brought them to Mount Sinai itself. And uh, how, did, how did God describe his care for his people? Well, there's this beautiful metaphor um, found in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. And we read in Exodus 19, verse 4, where God is speaking, he says, You have seen what I did to Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So he's got this metaphor describing how he's brought them on eagles' wings. Mm. And there's a beautiful comment in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 10 to 12, where it where he talks like this, he goes, 
He found them in the desert land, in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled them. He instructed them. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Mm. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led them and there was no foreign God with them. So here's this like picture of, of, of a God saying, I'm like an eagle. And, uh, you know, when an eagle takes its little young up into the air, it lets it go. And when the eagle gets tired, the mother comes in and sort of swoops underneath it. Mm. And the little young eaglet rests on the, um, on the eagle. It's a beautiful metaphor of God taking care of his people. Mm. Yeah, Gail, what other symbols um, does God use to describe his deliverance of Israel? Uh, if we were to go to Deuteronomy um, and read there in um, chapter 1 and verse 29 to 31, uh, the Bible says, Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. So there he uses a metaphor of a father, son or a small child and it's very tender. Mm. And um, there's nothing more that a parent would want to do and protect their child. Also, as we look back, um, Hosea writes of this same metaphor in Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. And uh, Hosea writes, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Mm. Mm. So there's like a, a double application. There's a literal, uh, where he's leading the people out of Egypt, literally out of Egypt. But then also Jesus himself we came out of Israel, who was God's son. Yes, he spent that's time in true. Egypt as well when he was escaping from Herod. Yes, very mm. true. Yeah. yeah, this is the kind face of God, isn't it? Um, let me just share a text here in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, where Paul says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another. Uh, Colin, do, do we see people being kind to one another today in our world? Well, I think we see both. We see, I've seen you know, Christians and non-Christians can be kind and I've seen um, they can be unkind. You know, we have wars and this is put out in the media, what's going on, you know, but I've seen both. And I think, um, you know, sometimes we're made in the image of God and I believe sometimes that kindness can come out from uh, Christians and non-Christians. And even the Bible describes it of, you know, people having in the last days a form of godliness but denying the power because God is love and love comes from God. And I think that, um, you know, Christians should be kind to each other naturally. It shouldn't really be a thing you have to make an effort to do. Mm. But I see it on both sides. And I think that's really a reflection of, of us being made in the image of God. Mm. Um, well, let's think about uh, the, the pattern of salvation. And mm. I'd, I'd like us to just take a look at Exodus chapter 6 and verses 6 and 7. That's Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Therefore say to the children of Israel, and God speaking here, I am the Lord. That's L-O-R-D in capitals in my New King James Version, which is the uh, Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. 
And then he says, I will take you as my people mm. and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. What do you notice here in this, Gail? Well, it's interesting in those verses, those two verses, the word I is used seven times. And it's all about what God is going to do. This saving work, bringing Israel out of Egyptian bondage is all God's work. Mm. There is no uh, something we can add to that. Yeah. Anything else, uh, Colin? Uh, well, I, I see the word, I will redeem you. And you're right, Gail, is God is doing everything. I will do this. I will. Do, but I love the way how I will redeem you. And this covenant that, that God made uh, in reference about I'm going to claim you. So when you redeem somebody, usually you're redeeming somebody who's been sold into slavery. And, and we know that they've been sold into slavery. He says, I'm going to redeem you. And you see this played out in other parts in the Bible as well, where, you know, Boaz and Ruth, where Boaz redeems um, mm-hmm. Ruth. And it foreshadows the ultimate deliverance or redemption, which is of Jesus Christ himself redeeming us from slavery of sin. Mm. And he redeems us. He purchases us back by, by his uh, sacrifice. Our, our kinsman redeemer. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, and go. When, so, so Yahweh, this Yahweh God comes down to rescue Israel. How, how, how is this portrayed in the New Testament? Well, if we look in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 the bible reads there for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life a ransom for many so here jesus our kinsman redeemer jesus pays the ransom price for our salvation and potentially he's offering salvation to everyone uh, the gift of eternal life through what he's done. And, and in, Paul write, in Paul's writings in 1 Timothy 1, um, chapter 2 and verse 6, uh, Paul writes there, Jesus gave himself a ransom for all. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's interesting that in parts of the Bible, you know, God talks about coming down uh, to the earth, you know, like he, let's go down and have a look and see what they're doing at the Tower of Babel. Um, God came down at uh, Mount Sinai. Uh, Colin, what's different about the, the coming down of Jesus? Well, I, I'm going to take you to John chapter 1, verse 14. I think it just, John puts it beautifully. John chapter 1, verse 14, where it talks about Jesus is the Word. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So here is Jesus, and beheld his glory, the glory of his only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So so we hear this picture of Jesus coming out in the flesh as a human being. Mm. Uh, just an amazing, um, really, it's, I can't mm. get my head around it, how we, how we did it, but he came down to, he wanted to dwell with us and he became flesh. And you can read in Hebrews chapter um, 2 verse 7 where, where it talks about, talks about the sun being made lower than the angels. And that's a reference to Psalms chapter 8 verse 46 where it says, we were made a little lower than angels. Mm. And he became one of us, you know, exactly like us in the flesh. And I think that's an amazing thing to suffer and die for us. Mm. And then uh, I think it's an incredible yeah. illustration of God wanting to dwell with us. It's, um, it's incomprehensible, isn't it? You mm. know, that, that divinity should take on humanity. You know, that God, Jesus would condescend to, to and it really was a coming down, you know, lowering himself. He was becoming humbled. Uh, really, 
to do that. Um, let's come back to the, this idea of the Exodus, uh, Gail. And what are the three major events in the, in the book of Exodus? Well, in the book of Exodus, we have the uh, Exodus from Egypt. We have the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, the covenant at Sinai. And a little later, we have the um, building of the sanctuary. So the probably the definitely the um, biggest one of the three would be the covenant at Sinai. Mm-hmm. And this is the fourth covenant in the Bible. The first with uh, Adam, the second with um, Noah, uh, yep. the third with Abraham, and the fourth through Moses. Yes. Yeah. So these were all very significant events, and of course, you know, for uh, for Judeo Christian tradition, you know, they are all have have immense significance, don't they? Yes. Uh, these events here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible, the, one of the, it seems as though one of the, uh, the methodologies of the Bible is to reveal more and more detail uh, of the plan of salvation as the scriptures unfold. Uh, so as time goes by, God uh, reveals a little more and a little more. Um, what, Colin, what vital elements come through uh, as added revelation in the, the covenant at Sinai. Yeah, well, firstly, you know, God delivered Israel from bondage, from slavery, and that's the whole point. He wants to deliver them from sin, ultimately. Uh, he wants to deliver us from sin. And so there's a steps and a progression where God's unreally, unreal, well, revealing the plan of salvation. And you can read in Exodus uh, 19, uh, verses 5 or 6, we read before here, Uh, where God says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So you're telling Moses to tell him that you're going to be a special people set aside uh, and I want to have, and I'm going to have a covenant. And what happened is God makes this covenant and the covenant was based on God's law. And you see that they agreed to the covenant. Mm-hmm. They agreed to say, all the things you do, we will do. And then God formalized that with the Ten Commandments as the basis of that covenant. Mm. So that was their response there in verse 8? Yes. Uh, Exodus 19, verse 8. All the Lord has spoken, we will do. Um, and the word, uh, well, there was the word obedience there, wasn't there, in relation to this covenant. Um, now, let's go across to the next chapter. Um, Exodus 20, of course, is famous because it contains the Ten Commandments, mm. sometimes referred to as the Decalogue, Deca, meaning ten. And uh, here in this particular chapter, I'd like to skip past the Ten Commandments that are in the first part of the chapter and go down to verse 21. And this says, So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near, now Mount Sinai that is, drew near the thick darkness where God was. What's going on here, Gail? Well, 
I have to read back a little bit, just a couple, a few verses People in verse 18. Far off, you know. Yes, uh, why that, well, this was happening. And it looks in verse 18 that as the people are witnessing this, there's thunderings, there's lightning flashes, there's the sound of a trumpet, and the mountain is smoking. And they are just so afraid. They're afraid of this thundering God. Mm. And so they want Moses to be their mediator mm. uh, on their behalf between God and themselves. Uh, to be the mediator of the covenant. And from the next verse, uh, you just read verse 21. So from verse 22 to the end of chapter 24, we find there that um, we read about the covenant principles in detail and can the confirming of the covenant or the ratification of the covenant. Mm. Mm. Which was made with blood, wasn't it, in the end? Yes. Ratified it with, with blood. Yeah, so you've got various laws, um, mm. law of the altar, I see there, law of servants, law of violence, property, etc. Uh, that God outlines there. Um, Colin, why did God outline the, the actual nitty gritty or the details of this portable sanctuary that uh, he wanted made? Yeah, well, I call it God's GPS. It's, <laughs> I call it God's plan of salvation. Okay. I've heard that mentioned before. And you read it in Exodus chapter, just quickly, Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, where the purpose, God says there, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So the whole purpose is God wants to dwell among us. And you see close to us. Close to us. You see that in the Garden of Eden, don't you? You see you see God walking in the cool of the night mm. evening with Adam and Eve. Yeah. You know, he wanted to dwell with them. And so what happened is sin has separated us from God. Mm. And so that that, you know, Adam and Eve had left the garden and so they couldn't continue that anymore. So God wants to dwell with us. And so sin is separated. So the whole, you know, the, the, uh, the principles of salvation have completely put in. God, what's God do after that? He makes a, uh, he sacrifices an animal, mm-hmm. which represented the future of Jesus. He's outlining what needs to be done so that we can dwell together again. And I see the whole sanctuary, sanctuary as a way of us coming to be able to dwell with God or God to dwell with us, really. You see, we come to the altar sacrifice, mm-hmm. which represents the cross. And we come, then that leads us to, to be cleansed in the, in the water where you, the priests wash their hands and that, well, representing baptism. And then you go to the holy place where you see this, you know, on this progression of reading God's word or or being the light and having the Holy Spirit or having the candlestick, having prayer and communion with God, which leads us in the most holy place. It's interesting where the law of God was and the mm. mercy seat. The mercy seat. And you notice the after the end of the whole sanctuary service on this progression as the priest went through that, that God's Shekinah glory would dwell in there. Mm. That was the purpose that God wants to dwell in us, but he has to take us, remove sin from us. Yeah, so you're saying there's really a dual purpose there, you know, God yes. wanting to dwell among us, but he also wanted to reveal more details. About the plan about of redemption. Steps, yeah, the yeah, plan of salvation. Along the way. Redeem, yes. Um, Gail, at the end of the, uh, the 40 years of wilderness wandering, God renewed the covenant he made with Israel at Sinai. And I, I'd like to, to read Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 9 in this connection. And this says, therefore, and the Lord speaking here, keep the words of the covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Why was this covenant necessary, Gail? Well, if we read just uh, perhaps a little bit further down there in verse 13, 
Moses continues in writing that he may establish you today as a people for himself and that he may be God to you just as he has spoken to you and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So God was confirming his relationship with them and he had begun that relationship early, 40 years ago. It's like a reconfirming, I truly am here for you. I truly um, will see you through. Uh, He was their God and these were his people and he loved them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so he did outline some conditions there, didn't he? And keep the words of this covenant. And and then the promise that would follow on from that, um, that you may prosper in all that you do. When, when we come into a, a saving relationship with God, we do, I don't know whether we pros- always prosper materially, mm. but we do feel uh, wealthy, a wealth in a way, don't we, Colin? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can have peace in your heart. Mm. You know, they're the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. These are all the, the uh, characteristics of who God is and mm. we can experience them. Yeah, and they're not the sort of things that you can buy. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, they're, they're a gift. Yeah. They're a gift from God. Yeah. They're a blessing. Mm. Um, so, Colin, this, this covenant relationship, it, it wasn't an arbitrary, arbitrary thing, was it? No, no. It, there's always cooperation, I've noticed. You know, for example, you know, if you obey my voice, then, then I'll do this. God's always saying, you know, I'll do this. And, mm-hmm. and there's a response from us. You know, for example, Jesus says, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful to forgive your sins and cleanse you from unrighteousness. But there's a part of us that, that, that we need to do, if. Now, this is not a condition of salvation, but it's more of a fruit of salvation. God says, I'll do this. And in the end, obedience is the condition, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you can look at that, for example, give an example, like in ancient Israel, God's going to send the uh, destroying angel to, to destroy the firstborn. And he gets them to put the blood on the posts, mm-hmm. the blood of a lamb on the post, doorposts. Um, and that blood was to cover them. So they had to go and do something, didn't they? If they didn't put the blood on, mm. they would have been in trouble. Yes. So there was a condition of obedience. Mm. Yeah. Um, coming back to our Exodus 19 again, verses 5 and 6. Again, it's the word obey. If you will indeed obey my voice, mm. keep my covenant. Um, then there would be the promise that would follow on uh, from that. So the uh, obedience was not a means of salvation, was it? No. It, it, it was a, a fruit. If you do this, mm-hmm. then it's going to be blessings for you. If yeah. you don't do that, there's going to be curses for you. God <laughs> lays it out plainly. Yeah. Um, the problem is they couldn't do it, could they? Yeah. So, Gail, does this uh, emphasis in a, on obedience, does that void the, the teaching about being saved by God's grace? Well, turning to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, and uh, the Bible reads, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Mm. The purpose of the law is to point out sin. Um, So unless we get the wrong idea, though, um, Paul soon makes the matter clear. If we were to go to Romans uh, chapter six and verse one and two, and he writes on further. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Uh, So 
how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Mm. So um, safe people are obedient people. There's a love response because we love God. It's a natural response to want to mm. uh, serve him with all our heart and be obedient. Yeah, and my, uh, if I cast my mind back to my Greek classes years ago, that certainly not was what they called an emphatic Greek statement. <laughs> <laughs> it was em emphatic. Shall we continue with it? Definitely, absolutely not. Mm. <laughs> um, that grace may abound. We, we don't want us to live. We don't want to live in sin. We don't want to be in that kind of uh, bondage. Mm. Uh, there's a lovely statement in Steps, the book Steps to Christ which says, page 61, we do not earn salvation by our obedience, for salvation is the free gift of God to be received by faith, but obedience is the fruit of faith. Mm. Um, in New Testament times, do you think Israel as a whole, Colin, that they understood that kind of thing? Well, I said many Jews accepted Jesus and they mm. did ex uh, as a Messiah. Uh, but it wasn't the case with everyone. You read in Romans chapter 9, verse 30 and to uh, 33, where it says, Paul's talking and he's talking about the present condition of Israel. And he says, what shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. So they tried to pursue it by works instead of like God doing it for them mm. by faith. Yeah. And you can kind of understand that uh, too, can't you? Because, you know, they went into Babylonian captivity because mm. of idolatry and, and they wanted to be very particular not to go down that path again. So they multiplied laws, unfortunately. If I, if I obey, I'll be saved instead of I'm saved and I obey. It's really that, yeah. just twisting around that, that, that. Yeah, so as you say, many Jews accepted Jesus as the Messiah, mm. but mm. Seemed, it seems as though as a, as a whole uh, that they didn't. Yep. Um, so why was this so, Gail? Yeah. Um, well, in Romans 10 and verse 3, the Bible reads, um, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Mm. Uh, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So I guess just cutting it really short there, we could say that um, the law simply leads us to Jesus. We have a desperate need because we're sinners and mm. it leads us to Jesus. And he is our righteousness. Mm. Yeah. So, so what is the foundation of our relationship with God? Just well, briefly. There. I think it's that Jesus Christ is the foundation of it. He's the cornerstone. And we read in Isaiah, you know, our, our best is just not good enough. Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we all like unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. That's our condition. And Jesus mm. is our only hope. Yeah, that reminds me, Colin, of uh, another text in uh, Isaiah, which is quoted in Handel's Messiah. Or we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But uh, how thankful we can be, can't we, that even though, as Romans says, all have sinned, uh, yet, you know, the gift of God is eternal life. And it was because of God's grace that he established his covenant with Israel at Sinai. The people at that time said yes to the conditions 
as a nation, they ultimately failed in their determination to be obedient to the covenant. We do not need to duplicate their failure. God is inviting you and me to accept his transforming grace today. Well, we're glad you joined us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. Until then, God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.